This morning we'd like to invite you to take your Bible and turn with us to the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. I believe God has a great encouraging word for you today on how much he loves us and what God has in store for your personal life. I hope this message will bless your heart. You have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn with us to the book of Romans. The book of Romans chapter 5. We'll find our place there this morning. Romans chapter 5. We'll see what it is the Lord has in store for us today. I believe God's been doing a great work in our hearts and our lives. And uh, this scripture has been on my heart all week as I've meditated on this, this thought. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. For while we were still helpless... Unable to do anything at all. At that appointed moment, when we were at our most helpless point, Christ died for the most wicked sinner in all the world. Verse 7 continues, For rarely, rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps, someone might even dare to die. But God proved. The word proved in the Greek, it actually means to put on full display right here. It really means God demonstrated. The actual Greek word here, demonstration, is what it means. God demonstrated, God proved his love for us by a public demonstration that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then he continues on further in verse 9. Much more then, since we have been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. This passage of scripture continues to unfold. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his death of his son, then how much more will we be reconciled when we are no longer enemies but a friend? When we've been saved by his life. What a scripture. Wow, this is such an awesome passage. When we begin to look at this, when we begin to connect the dots and see exactly what it is that God is up to and exactly what it is that God is doing in our hearts and lives. And, and it's such a phenomenal passage and, man, what God's up to. Look at the next verse. He goes on and continues. And that not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Three things I want you to write down this morning. This passage of scripture is all about the full display of God's love. Why are we a faith family that is not content on living inside our four walls? Why are we a faith family whose sole purpose and mission is not to spend 80% of our time at our church building, but to spend 80% of our time in the streets of the city. 
Why are we a faith family that continues to invest more in people than we do many times in ourselves? Why are we a faith family who's not trying to see how great of a building we can build for ourselves and how cool of a coffee shop we can put in, but how much money can we put into people? How much money can we invest in, not in a building that stands for all the eyes to see, but in mobile equipment that goes out for all the hearts to feel. Why are we that type of faith family? Why are we a faith family who continues to go and tell instead of saying, come and see? Many of you have labored this week for the cause of Christ. You've touched lives of all different people groups. And you only said, come and see, after you went and told. After you went and touched the heart. Before you can ask somebody for their hand, John Maxwell says you must touch their heart. And people don't really want to know how much you know till they know how much you care. They don't really want to know about your God till they see your God working through you. I read a statistics this week. That one out of every four lost people, non-Christians, do not even know a Christian. How would they make such a statement? And they make it because they don't even know them because there's nobody being the hands, being the feet of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why are you... That type of faith family. Why have many of you decided to partner up with us in the type ministry that we are engaged in? Because you have caught a glimpse that it was not enough for Jesus Christ to dwell in the portal of glory. It was not enough for God to tell you how much he loved you, but it was for God to show you. How much he loved you. The first thing you can write down about this, these few verses here is this. How God loves us. We see how God loves us not by what he told us, but by what he showed us. Go back to your verse there. Start in verse 6. It says, for while we were helpless... It didn't mean when you finally graduated college and you finally landed that job with the Fortune 500 company or you finally started your business or you finally made it to the place where you thought you were in life that you could that you were you had something to offer. No, when we had nothing at all to offer, Jesus Christ loved you. When you could do nothing for him in return, he loved you. When you had no money to give, when you had nothing to offer, He loved you. He loved you for who you were. He loved you for where you were. He loved you in spite of who you were or who you are. Today, while we were helpless, it was at that appointed time. Not at a time when you were in church. 
Not at a time when you were reading the Bible. Not at a time when you had memorized all the books of the Bible. Not at a time when you were attending vacation Bible school as a child. Not at a time when you took your first communion. Not at a time when you gained your church membership. No, at the time when we were doomed, when we were damned, when we were broken, when we were helpless, when there was no hope in sight for us at all. It was at that point that Christ Jesus said, I I love you enough to die for you. To die for you. While people were committing murders, murders, Christ died for them. While people were undone, while they were shooting illegal pharmaceuticals up their veins, He died for them. While they were engaging in sexual acts, He died for them. While they were broken, he died for them. It was at the appointed time. Think with me, if you would. And many of us don't like to think about this. Think about the worst day of your life. You say, man, I got too many to get down to just one. On the day that you felt like your life was worth the least, it was that moment that Christ still loved you enough to die for you. And he goes on and he demonstrates this a little bit. He says, you know, for a, for, for a good, pe- good man, some people would even dare die. But what about for the knuckleheads? What about for those people? What about for the people who have nothing in return to give? As I visited this week with some people who were homeless, it was amazing how many of them had the same story. I go to a church, but I'm not welcome. And you know the reason why? It's because they went to a building. If you go to a place that is a building, you're not guaranteed for Christ to meet you there. Christ, you don't have to be in a place with a high steeple. You don't have to be in a place with grand entrances. You just need to be in the place where Christ is. Where is that place? It's wherever you are. You cannot outrun God. When you get to where you're going, He's already there. And I want you to know today that no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, Christ loves you. No matter what's going on in your life, Christ loves you. You may be ready to throw in the towel, and many people are, and the the rate of suicide and people taking their lives is going up and up and up. And the reason why is because people feel like there is no hope in this world. You know why? Because there's no one telling the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And while we were broken, while we were unclean, while we were just like the leper. I mean, everybody in the world running away from us. While we were in that place. Christ died. I love the story of the leper in the Bible. Had to have a bell around his neck pronouncing, warning people to flee from him coming and just be just sharing the same air with other humans. He cried out to Jesus. And Jesus reached out and touched. The most unclean thing there was. And he should have been unclean himself in quarantine. The only problem was on that day, the uncleanliness of man had a head-on collision 
with the holiness of God. And at that moment, the leper was no longer a leper, but he was made whole. And I want you to know something today. You may not have leprosy of the flesh, but many people have leprosy of the spirit, leprosy of the emotions. And your emotional stability is decaying from the outside in. Your spiritual ability is, is decaying. It's being destroyed. And you think there's no hope. You've tried churches. You may be sitting there at home and you may be saying, you may have said this statement more than once, I need to get back in church. I, that's the most common phrase. I need to get back in church. The reason you need to get back in church is because all you ever did was get in church. If all you ever do is get in church, one day you'll be out of church. But can I tell you that if you will ever be in Christ, there is no falling away from His grace. There's no mountain too high that you can separate from His love. There's no valley too deep that you can run away from His love. There's no obstacle too grand that you that can separate you from His love. There is no power. There is no principalities. I love what the Apostle Paul wrote. What then shall separate us from the love of God? And he gave a whole list. And at the end, it's just simply nothing. I want you to know, quit trying to get into religion and get into a relationship with Christ. If you will be in a relationship with Christ, God will lead you to a faith family. And you have the same vision and the same strategy to make a difference. Today there's a thing happening in our, in our world and it's, it's, it's called uh, mold. If mold gets in homes or in in air conditioning ducts or vents, it's a, it's a great tragedy for the owner of that establishment. And they have to go through great extremes to get rid of it. A lot of us, our spiritual lives have become very moldy. A lot of us, in the name of religion, meet every week. And we, we meet behind our walls where it's safe. Where it's secure, where it's controlled. We control everything. We control the door, we control the parking lot, we control the temperature, we control the lighting, we control the mood, we, 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 we control the music, we control the songs, and we control the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you to bust out of that nonsense. And intentionally bring somebody in your safety zone that makes you feel unsafe. Makes you feel uncomfortable because it's that person that's broken. It's that person whose life is shattered. It's that person who has needle tracks all the way down their arm. It's that person who bears in their body the mark of sin, the smell of sin. It's that person that Jesus Christ went to the cross for. It's that person that on the worst day of their life that he laid down his life for. And today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's that person that Christ has compelled us to break forth run forward and rescue from themselves in many cases. Oh, how God lifted us, how God loved us. He loved us right where we were. But then there's something else we see in this verse. 
how God lifted us up. Go with me if you would a little bit further into verse 8. But God demonstrated, God put on public display for all the world to see his love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's living hope. That's living hope. Do you have that living hope? Have you been lifted? I love the old hymn we used to sing when I was a boy. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else would help, when no one else would show up, the love of Christ lifted me. Oh, how he lifted us. He lifted us when we didn't have anything. Quit trying to get it together. For those of you who are undone, quit trying to say, when I get my life together, I'll serve God. I'll give Him my life. I'll enter that relationship. For those of you who already have that relationship, quit trying to quit saying when I get this new job, when I retire, when I do these things, then I'll worry about my ministry. Then I'll worry about what God would have me to do. No, listen, there are people all around who are waiting for you, who are longing for you, who are needing you more than ever. God lifted us by putting on display for all the world to see His love. By nailing his son to the cross. By restraining all of the angels. By restraining himself. God had to restrain himself. Matter of fact, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on that good Friday where Jesus Christ was being crucified, when the sky turned black and the lights went out and the graves popped open and the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, Jesus, who was silent as a lamb before his shears up to that point, roared like a lion and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because it was at that point in time that the sinless Lamb of God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the royal diadem of heaven, the sinless one, it was the he who knew no sin, took on our sin that we might become the righteous sons of God. And at that point, Jesus knew what it was like to feel what we feel before our relationship with him. He knew what it was like to be separated from the Father. And he roared like a lion, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He lifted us by lowering himself. The Bible says in Hebrews, he who was 
made higher than the angels, became lower than the angels. That he, that we might be made perfect through his suffering. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. When Christ came down, we were able to come up. He loved us by giving himself. By giving himself, he lifted us. The only thing that can lift you is the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that can lift you is the shed blood of Jesus. The only thing that can lift you is the redemption through his name, through his sacrifice, through his atonement, through his resurrection, that's the only thing that can lift us. I know you may have a good church. I know you may have a good strategy. I know you may think that God doesn't exist. I don't care. I want you to know that according to the word of God, not the theory of man, not the philosophy of man, I don't care whether you don't believe the Bible. I don't care whether you don't read the Bible. It doesn't make it true or false. You ever heard the saying that the Lord's will and the creek doesn't rise? That's the dumbest statement I've ever heard. No offense. I mean, if the Lord's willing, honey, the creek won't rise. And if it does rise, he'll rise you with the creek. He lifted us by lowering himself from heaven to earth, from the earth to the cross. From the cross to the grave. How much lower can you go than in the heart of the earth? He went into the heart of the earth that he might come out victorious. And then we may be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. He loved you. He lifted you up. The psalmist said, we quoted it a couple of weeks ago, he pulled me out of that horrible pit, out of the miry pit, set my feet upon a solid rock. While we were going down, he said we can begin to go up. He loved us. He lifted us. And he loosed us. He set you free. He unleashed you. For what? Not to live your life as an anemic believer. Not to live your life half-heartedly. Not to live your life with little potential. Not to live your life half-baked. But to live your life in the fullness and the completion of our Savior Jesus Christ. He loosed you to set you free. Look at what it says in verse 11, verse 10. What an amazing scripture. He begins to connect the dots here. And when we're looking at these things, he begins to demonstrate those things to us. And God begins to connect that. Look at it in your, in your Bible. I mean, it says there, how much more? How much more is God up to in our heart and our life? It says, for if while we were enemies... If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his death, how much more then having his life 
may we be able to do as friends. What a friend we have in Jesus. You are a friend of God, not because you made yourself friendly, but because he gave it all that you might gain it all and have everlasting life. God has loosed you not to live your life in shades of gray. Not to live your life in the gray zone. But to live your life in the red zone. Where it's all out on the field. Where you're holding nothing back. Where you're giving it all. Where you're clinging to it all. And you're making a difference for the glory of God. Somebody is depending on you. Somebody needs you to rise up from the church pew. To get beyond the sheetrock. Maybe you go to an old church. To get beyond the paneling. To get out of the musky building. Get some fresh air in the streets where broken people live. God's loved you to lift you. He lifted you to loose you. If God has already loosed you, freed you from the wages of sin, freed you from the bondage of the past, then why in the world, why in the world do you carry that weight around each and every day? If you've been set free, Why do you live like you're in chains? Why do so many people leave prison after many years only to commit a simple crime to go back? It's because they don't know how to live in freedom. They have become so accustomed to the bondage of prison that that's all they know and they return there. More times than you know that happens. How many Christians are living like that today? God busted them out. He set them free to leave their black life of sin, the damages of sin behind, to make them white as snow, and them only to live a life in the shades of gray. Where are you at? Are you living in the darkness, the blackness of night, the blackness of sin, the darkness of our bondage? Are you living in the freedom of Christ? Are you walking in the light? Are you making a difference? Or are you living in the gray that you become anemic and of no value to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Today, wherever you are, Our Christ stands ready to take you to the next level. Just let God be all that He wants to be in your heart and your life. Maybe you're sitting there at home and you've been listening to this sermon and God has spoken to your heart and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn. 
but you've realized today you're in one of those three areas that we spoke about this morning. I, I beg you, please break free. Please break free. Please let the love of God pour down into your heart. Let the love of God overflow your soul. Let Him lift you up. Let Him loose you for the work of the ministry, for the fulfillment of life. If we can help you, if we can be part of that journey at Family of Grace, please give us that honor. Please give us that privilege to help you be all that God wants you to be. Looking for child care? Visit College Camp located in the heart of Pineville. It is a licensed aid facility that has been in existence since 2008. For more information, call 318-484-2762. This ministry would not be possible. At FCA, we're touching millions one heart at a time. Since 1954, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been putting the heart and soul in sports by challenging athletes and coaches to impact the world for Jesus Christ. As the largest sports ministry in the world, FCA now reaches over 2 million people annually on the professional, college, high school, junior high, and youth levels. Through this shared passion for athletics and faith, lives are changed one heart at a time. Learn more at fca.org. Thank you for joining us today. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that made this program possible. Bayou Shirts. At Bayou Shirts, we offer quick, friendly, quality service for all your t-shirt needs. Check us out today at BayouShirts.com for information on all the services we can provide. You can reach us at 318-308-3754. 